2: We are delighted to have partnered with NordVPN again for this season. We partnered with them last year, and they are, of course, a supporter of Rangers FC as an official sponsor there. And best of all, we can give you an exclusive NordVPN deal if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. You will get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free. Completely risk-free. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee with Nord. And look, I use this product. I would highly recommend it. I used to work in web, so I know how easy it is to steal people's data, especially if you're using a a, a Wi-Fi system that that is a shared one, or you're using uh, 4 or 5G, then your details can be out there. With NordVPN, they're absolutely not. And there are other advantages to it as well. Um, You can watch sporting events that maybe aren't being shown in your region. Um, You can purchase flights from different virtual locations, and they do make your flights cheaper. This is very, very useful. What a Prices in the UK isn't the same as what a price is in America or a price is on the continent Um, NordVPN can save you money, Um, you can buy purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price uh, and you protect your data while travelling and using public Wi-Fi, I I keep coming back to that anyone who's at the hassle of a cancelled card will know what I'm talking about, so all you need to do is go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll get a huge discount off your plan and one month additional free, completely risk free I urge you to do it. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and as always, I am your host and joining me this week to discuss Rangers 2-1 League Cup semi-final victory over Aberdeen. Yes, I know it's the Via Play Cup these days, but I just can't. It's first of all, Adam
1: Thornton. Hello David.
2: How are we today?
1: We are good. Could have done without the, the old extra time bingo at Hamden yesterday, but uh, other than that, we are good. And joining
2: me uh, to make up a, I think a
0: fairly hail and hearty triumvirate it is Cami Bell. Hi, David. Hi, Adam. Hi, listeners. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, um a nice solid win yesterday, which we we're going to discuss, but always a pleasure to be on talking to you.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack actually about yesterday's game. It, it seemed quite a kind of incident-filled match, but we'll we'll start off straight away with let's just get it in at the start. You cannot be playing major football matches on a pitch that resembled someone had taken us in a time machine back to the 1970s. That was ridiculous. And it doesn't take, Adam, high-level planning to maybe work out that in January in Scotland, weather gets a bit out there and maybe don't schedule two matches within 24 hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I must admit I feared the worst when um the, ch- the chat about the pitch on Saturday night, given the rain, etc., um it didn't look too bad for the first about fifteen, twenty minutes and then thereafter it was just an absolute um nightmare. You can see the ball bobbling everywhere. I actually didn't notice until um watching it back today, but when Scott Wright gets the ball right in the bo- right in that other corner for to bring it back to roof, there's a huge bobble just before he, he slides the ball back to roof that um he managed to control and get um get the goal. But yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. And and you're right, there must be something we can do, whether it's using one of the other venues in Glasgow, whether it's Murrayfield or something, just split up and and do it that way, given that if they're going to have them at this time of year, we're going to have the same problems.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I really don't see why they need to be played within 24 hours semi-finals. It's, it's not like you gain an advantage by knowing the other result. It's semi-final. You Try and win regardless. And it just made a, an absolute mockery of it. And the, the thing about it is, Cammy, Hamden itself, as a fan experience, is awful. Now, whenever we play at Hamden, I don't do press. I like to go in and use my ticket and sing, basically, and cheer the team on. Um, It's not a good experience. As a stadium, no matter where you are, you're miles away. uh, You can kind of see from some sections, but not others. It's cold. It's hard to get an atmosphere going. They really need to do something. And they can't even provide us with a decent fucking football pitch. I mean,
0: it's a shithole, let's be honest. Yeah, it is. And I think my main issue with Hamden is the the ingress and egress as well. I, I, I despise being able to try and get to that stadium at the best of times. Um, but I totally agree with you. I, and the, the thing that's really odd about it is I could kind of understand the state of the pitch if the pitch was getting used religiously. Yeah. But it's not. And, um, and and listen, you, you've, you you boys have obviously talked about it, having the, the semi-finals literally back-to-back is, is completely redundant. If you remember, David, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about having two games in the same day, uh, which thankfully yeah. was kiboshed. However, the bottom line now is that we're, we're never going to get to a stage where we have to change it because the national stadium will always try and have that identity. The problem is that the SFA, I think, are the only ones who, who like it. Every other football fan I talk to, Rangers or otherwise, Really dislike the stadium. I was in row B yesterday. I was I was almost directly behind the goals in the West End. and it's just a terrible view. It's just, Could you it, not tell me that before you came on? Though, because I was I, I want to talk about the game, and you will only the <laughs> half of it. Well, the, the 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 thing when you you could actually move further back once there was space to be able to try and 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 do so. I just like, but no matter where you are within that stadium, there is just a. I just, I, I, think a really difficult um, way to build up the atmosphere within the stadium, unless you happen to be winning, or unless it happens to be again, like you say, an old firm cup final, etc. Okay, that will generate its own. But yesterday, I was right next to the Union Bears, and they were trying their best to be able to generate the atmosphere. I just think the noise just tends to go straight out of the bowl. It does, yeah, and and it just. it Consultants.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Precisely. It does. Um it's just that, that yeah, it's just a bad football stadium, or a bad stadium in general. Um, there's no getting away from it. And you mentioned there you know, obviously Ibrox, but Murrayfield as well, um, just significantly better. Anyway, let's move on to the match itself. And Adam, you picked up on a very good point right at the start there, which was the first fifteen minutes, which I thought Rangers were genuinely excellent, hit the post, made a couple of other chances, but more than that, dominated, moved the ball at pace, moved the ball quickly. There is something we've seen in this side, there's a pattern to, to the way it plays matches, which is you get periods like this in games, but not sustained, and you get spells like this where you think, right, that's a good start, going build on it, but it actually turns it to be the highlight, and in the first half, that's what that was.
1: Yep. Um, you're absolutely spot on. This this pattern, it might not happen in in the same, same order in in every game, but it's mm. certainly uh, they're, they're certainly there. I, I honestly really struggle analysing Rangers games just now, so I might not be much use on this one either. Um, I just find that the team don't seem to take confidence and build on things. I mean, we had a pretty horrendous few weeks before Van Bronckhorst left. We've got Michael Biel in, he's saying all the right words, etc. We're on a great run uh, in terms of results, but you wouldn't think it from the things that happen in, in games. And I don't want to be too negative on this show, given we got through to a semi-final and we are doing really, really well. We've got the injuries, we're hoping to get players in. We, we know all of this stuff, but you're right. If we don't get a goal in that, that little period where we do well, the heads go down, we make a daft mistake um, we start to pass side to side and just fling balls into the box it's a really really strange thing, I don't understand Michael Beale again used the word anxious, that's the third time in seven games. Um,
2: and, and said I, he wasn't quite sure where the anxiety comes from given the run that they're on in terms of results
1: And I, I, If he doesn't know we're not going to know, but I, I just can't get it either because this this is a team that's on a good, a good run, they've went away to Aberdeen, they've yeah. pulled it out of the fire, they've Played Hibbs. They should have won against Celtic. It's the same. This is the, these are the same issues that we've had across three managers now. For me, um, for whatever reason, in the last eighteen months or so, we just can't seem to get any form of of run of of confidence going. Um, I don't know if the players are now all at the stage where they feel like with everyone coming to the end of their contracts maybe there is going to be a big change there, and not that they're going through the motions or anything like that but um, I don't know it just feels like there's a staleness there and we try and get ourselves up for games and we have moments in games where we're capable of of getting something done because we've got decent players on their day that are individual that can come up with a big moment um, or we're better than the opposition and we can tr- get, through, sheer, through, get through by sheer force of will but yeah It's a strange one. Um, I'm not sure the free-flowing football that we hope um, we would like to see with the Rangers team. I can't really see it coming to fruition unless we have significant changes to the team, Um, and whether that's in this window or the summer. But yeah, I don't want to be too negative, given it was a fantastic um, result yesterday, particularly going behind, particularly the pitch, etc. So um, yeah, we'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah, and on that, that one of the, the heartening things the last few weeks has been when we've got a goal, we've actually tended to go and get a second Um, because previously what had been happening is even we would get that goal. Say, say Sakala's header goes in yesterday, that they then sort of stop and revert back to the the, the sort of play that, that you mentioned. And it, it came about yesterday, Cameron, with a long ball over the top, which I thought we looked a little too susceptible to in the first half. Aberdeen score, uh, in inverted commas, it's offside, and it was offside, but bit closer than I thought in the stadium at the time, to be honest, um, uh, at <laughs> the risk of a high line. Uh, and that seemed to sort of end our period of dominance and then let Aberdeen back into the match a little bit. And although Rangers were still dominant in terms of possession, I felt that we were suddenly a wee bit more cumbersome. It could, you know, Adam did mention the pitch really began to cut up pretty badly round about this stage. Um, But it it is just that sort of fragility that sometimes is apparent in our our game. And I thought in the first half, that sort of exemplified in kind of 20 to to 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because... I don't think you can look anywhere else other than the group of players for this lack of confidence because they've had a manager who's come in now. He's obviously had an impact both on the team and individuals, and you can see that, right? You know, anyone can see that. I think the problem is that whether and albeit we're talking about you know the League Cup semi final, I think the problem is that because of the league feels most likely like it's death by a thousand cuts because we're so far behind. We need to be able. To, to focus on the Cups, but we still know the league is there. And it will probably feel to a lot of these players. Like, to a certain extent, you're going through some of the motions, whether or not that's, as Adam mentioned, the final point of that is at the end of the season and some players will leave Um, and there's going to be changes or whatever's going to happen, fair enough, but there's still plenty enough for us to be able to try and play for And for us as an opportunity to use those league games to try and recover that confidence and to try and build it up again even if for nothing else, to move it into the cup competitions, that, you, you know, you've, you've said it totally right. It just doesn't appear to be there. And I've said, I think, before in, on, on some of our shows on our, on our Patreon site that it feels a little bit like that we've got too much of a victim mentality and we've we've struggled to have people to take the accountability from the playing staff and and, and lead forward with a charge with almost to a certain degree with a bit of kind of aggression, You know, being ruthless, being able to try and do all that. Now, it's easy doing that when you're top of the league and you're winning and you're winning consistently and you can see some silverware in sight. Well, we should be able to do that now. We're now in the League Cup final. I'm confident that we can go pretty well within the Scottish Cup. And as Adam rightly said, we should have beaten Celtic in the old firm game. So there's definite signs of improvement. The lack of belief is in the players. And I think that there's only so much a manager who they know who they have got a good relationship with already, has then come back to the club. It's not like they're playing for a stranger, but yet they are still, whether consciously or subconsciously, they're choosing to not fully invest in what we are talking about here and be able to go out and play to their full capabilities. Because it's not just the 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 performances have been in dribs and drabs, but we've still got results. And at the end of the day, I think all of us listening to this would take you know, 38 shit performances in the league. As long as we won every single game, we wouldn't care. But the players have to be able to to recover it and whether or not they have to do that internally and, and decide amongst themselves to do that. Because they're, they're certainly not, I think, been influenced by, you know, Van Bronckhurst or Michael Beale to to shrug it off. I think it's coming. It's just taking longer than, you know, I,
2: I, I wouldn't agree 100% because I just think it's taking longer. And you do see it in waves, but it's about, Coming in with that and being able to maintain that attitude. What I will say is, Adam, uh, they've definitely found uh, an ability to bounce back after a blow, and that was a criticism that I think we fairly leveled at them throughout the season. Which is, if something went wrong, they almost seem to go, "I knew something bad was going to happen," and go into their shells. Yesterday, something did go wrong five minutes before half time. Uh, you learn something about your players. Almost every game we learned yesterday that Borna Barisic doesn't watch match of the day Hmm. because if he had, he would have uh, saw the goal that Manchester United scored against Manchester City uh, at the weekend. Uh, He stops completely. Um, His man is offside, and he is. So Barisic stops, puts his hand in the air, waits for the flag. Doesn't come because, of course, it doesn't come. And the Aberdeen midfielder sees that the ball is there to be won. He does watch match of the day. And makes up 20 yards on him. Ben Davis doesn't react either. Suddenly, he's in. Squares it to Miofsky. He finishes. And we're a goal down. And I mentioned this on my, my post-match video yesterday for anyone who watched it. So apologies for the repetition. But just in case. I thought that goal was kind of reminiscent of the one that we conceded to Kilmarnock with Joe Worrell all those years ago and that it sucked the air right out of the Rangers' support and that we were sitting there watching it unfold going, this can't be what we think is happening. And then it did. And it seemed to go in slow motion. Even the the, the finish itself seemed to loop up and take an age to to drop into the net. And we were sitting there going, I cannot believe we have conceded that goal because you cannot concede that type of goal. It was, it's appalling. You can't, I mean, play the whistle is a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And in the age of VAR, it's ridiculous to give a goal like that, but you just can't do it.
1: Yeah, it is. And I like think you said earlier on, they were targeting those balls over the top, um, which I guess makes sense when you've got the fullbacks that are positioning themselves so high and I'm sure will come onto the midfield, but maybe unable to, to cover. In a way that we're used to a couple of years ago, so I think it makes sense for them to do that. They had a bit of pace with with Duke and, um, is it Coulson, Clarkson? Um, the Clarkson, yeah. Clarkson from Liverpool, so yeah, I think you're right. Um, on the first one, I really, really hope McGregor knew that was offside and didn't bother um challenging for it. I, I'm not 100%, oh, but I it hope looked, so.
2: It looked yards, but when you saw it back, and I, I, I got worried by the length of time Var was taken, to be yeah. honest because I thought, oh, and, and it was tighter than I thought, so I would hope he wasn't, because <laughs> although that leads to different problems, you know, you can't yeah. rely on it at these stages, you just can't.
1: You can't. On the second one, or, or their, their goal, I must admit, at the stadium, and this is the weird thing about Hamden as well, I feel like you have a very different viewing experience, wherever you sit, um, you're, you're sort of, the depth of, mm. and the perception of, of where you are, is just way off sometimes. I, I felt, at the game, that McGregor should have been on his toes to come out and clear that ball uh, initially. Now, you, you kind of caveat that with it's Alan McGregor, he doesn't come off his line, he's 40 years old, it's probably unrealistic, etc. Um, but looking at it back, it is just maybe five yards too far and it does happen quite quickly Um, I I do still maintain that maybe some of these keepers like I don't know Ederson or even Joe Hart as much as it pains me to say who who regularly are standing at the edge of the box might be coming out and having a go at that but equally I accept that it probably wouldn't have made it and that might have even looked even sillier so I don't think McGregor was was at fault there I think it's obviously the Barisic and Davies just being flat-footed and getting the ball over the box and then yeah I think you're right I think just getting Getting caught being silly. I think Davies could have a much more of an understanding of where Mayovsky is. Um I also again thought maybe McGregor should have came out um and, and just taken the striker and the ball when the when the cross comes into the box, but he is a little bit further out than I thought. Majofsky is maybe ten yards out, whereas I thought he was maybe six. So um yeah, all in all, not great. Barasic, I mean that lack of self-awareness that he has. It's almost like we know he's so left-footed, but it's almost like he doesn't—he's not able to do anything on his right-hand side. If he can't even look over his shoulder or anything like that, he just got no idea what's what's happening. Um, and it's a joke to, for Kennedy to make up whatever it is, ten yards or so. Um, absolutely comical. Completely understand your point about this character and bouncing back, etc. And that's great. Um, again, not to dra- drag up the past, but remember that period under Gerard just before he went, where we went behind every time and seven games in a row and came and pulled them back. We just can't we can't keep relying on it. I don't think we're good enough to, to rely on it. So these defensive mistakes when we've got um, maybe an attack that isn't as coordinated as we'd like it to be so far, it's just a, a combination um, and it was not a good start. And yeah, again, I completely agree. It it, it completely busts the, the stadium. I thought actually just before that we were looking like we can go and get a goal. There was a, a, a bit of pressure and I thought get one before halftime. And we'll be fine. So it's a bit of a bit of a double sucker punch in that in that way. But yeah, just a completely comical goal we lose.
2: Yeah, and it, you know it, it was. I just thought a, a poor goal and on the goalkeeper Cami. I again, I'm kind of a, at the game. I thought McGregor could come and deal with it, but uh watching it back, I don't necessarily think that the blame lies with him. I did think that Alan McGregor at his peak saves that. um The effort, good effort though, it was clever. Uh, I think it was gettable to peak Alan McGregor. Now we know he's not at his peak, but but one thing I there was an incident in the second half where he makes a save and the ball sort of rebounds a yard or two and he's going for it and then he stops and leaves it to the defender who's expecting it to come and get it and then he that clears it. That was weird, yeah. and Yeah, and I just think he is second-guessing himself a little now and things that he was just doing naturally he's not doing because he knows that he's not what he was. And I think it's in his mind that he's not what he was. So instead of just react, he's taking sort of extra steps at time. That's what cost us the, the Duke goal at, at Pataudry. And it is just when you see somebody who's in their head a little bit, and he's never been that. He's always been really confident. He's Alan McGregor, right? I just think it's noticeable. <laughs> Look, it's the story in sports, isn't it? You know, your body at one point will say, sorry, I, I can't. I can't do what I used to do for you anymore, and
0: I think his mind is aware of it. Yeah, and it's funny because you talk about it, but you know we've seen it in other positions in the team. You've seen strikers, for example, who you know normally would do first time finishes. They start taking extra touches because they're on mm. a bit of a drought. Yeah, or they start overthinking things. As you say. When uh, he's not informed, you know it exactly because so he then, overthinks it. Exactly, or you know, potentially dropping further and further back, and you can see midfielders who, typically, you would expect could play quite a you know quite a cutting ball, be able to try and find a range. And listen, you know, we we can talk about guys like Steven Davis. There was times where he went through parts of that where you could see what he was trying to do, but he just wasn't pulling it off when he was trying to be able to try and get balls over the top or been able to try and just play you know the kind of passes that we know he's capable of doing. So you'll have that kind of dip in form now. I think. What was going to be interesting, obviously, as we've spoken about previously, about bringing in John McLaughlin and what the next few months will look like, because I I totally agree with Adam and I think yourself, David, where at first, you know, first viewing of that goal, I I was blaming McGregor. But then when you look back at it, if McGregor's going to come for the goal, right, the, the allowed goal, he has to go immediately. And he has to be able to kind of work out that that offside trap is going to happen. I don't believe he's got the depth perception to be able to try and do that. And also, to Adam's point, it's uncharacteristic for him to do it. And I actually think what probably would have happened if he'd come out for it and the Aberdeen players able to take it around him, for example, then everybody's blaming Alan McGregor for it. So I don't think he's playing well. I don't think it's a new thing that he's not playing well. And I think the manager has to make a decision now as to whether or not we're going to stand by him and allow him the opportunity, as we said before, with the, you know, other positions of the team. We still give these players the time. They might contribute in other ways. It's just tough for a goalkeeper to be able to do that. Or whether or not even McGregor himself turns around and says, Look, I'm just going to take a back step here. McLaughlin can step in or, you know, whatever the setup is going to be. But he is, he's within his head now doing it. And the minute he started blaming Barisic for that yesterday, I just I knew he's deflecting it. Because he probably realizes, as you rightly say, he should have done better at the shot. There's nothing much I he can think, do in terms of the run, but you know at that I, point I think, he's, he's committed. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, but I, I still think if we're doing a, a sort of blame pyramid here,
2: um, McGregor the least, Davis a bit more, Barisic the most. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's absolutely shambolic from Barisic. It's just, just it's bad, and unfortunately, we've seen this repeatedly from him um, throughout the season. Now. We've seen this in the last couple of games, Adam. The midfield I didn't think functioned particularly well in the first half yesterday. I don't think John Lundstrom functioned well at all the whole match. I thought he was. I, I, I don't think he was quiet. I thought he was bad. Um, a couple of Rangers players had to take bookings because of misplaced passes from him. And he just wasn't on it at all. But Ryan Jack really stepped up in the second half and I thought began to, to sort of dominate the midfield. And they did the same at Tannadice the week before. Uh, and of course it was him that that got us back into the game lovely bit of play actually it's a really good goal, it's a well worked goal and it does take a deflection of course but you know, fine, we'll take that Um, but it it was when Rangers again just remembered see when you play football you're actually pretty
1: good at it and that's the the, the, the frustrating thing Um, I I agree with you I seem to notice it more at Hamden again I don't know if it's just because it's a cup final or a semi-final when maybe things are a little bit more even but I noticed it a lot in the, the semi and the final last year where McLaughlin in this case had the ball and Jack and Lundstrom just either can't get free or, or don't make the movement to, to get free. Yesterday Ryan Jack spent a, an awful lot of time in the left back zone because Barisic was a little bit further up Um, but it was kind of mostly when Rangers had possession which I, I thought was, was a little bit weird we weren't really using them in a kind of way that you'd expect. It meant the midfield was quite empty. I would have liked Jack and Lundstrom to be in the midfield trying to kind of offer angles for McGregor or the centre-backs through the middle. It felt like we just wanted to go wide so, so much. I don't know if that was a tactical plan to circumvent Aberdeen or or not, but I felt like we really struggled with that um, in the first half. And then, as you say, into the second half, maybe things get... Obviously, Aberdeen have got got the goal and we're kind of pushing, so things maybe get a little bit more... Um, one sided for us, and we able to attack a little bit more through the middle. But um, Ryan Jack was was really really good in the second half again, as he was at, at, at Tanadice. Um That play, like you said, just that sort of he gets himself into that situation. He's able to do the one two with Marialos. It creates space. We see that so much. We see that. That run, that move, Hadji's done it, Arfield's done it with Morelos or Roof laying the ball off and they get into the box and and score. I just don't know why it's the exception rather than the rule, to be honest. That's the frustrating frustrating thing that I've got. And that's, I guess, what we're hoping for with um, midfielders coming in, or we hope midfielders to to coming in. it's, It's fine for Ryan Jack to have a good game and it's fine for you to think Ryan Jack's had a great game, but also that possibly we want players that maybe do that more. Again, it could be manager instructions, David. We just don't, we don't know these things. It could be the manager is instructing those players to do that, get the ball wide, play it simply, keep your shape in the middle. That could be what they want. Other midfielders coming in who are maybe a bit more naturally inclined to be more technical, be more creative, be able to thread passes through. If we get those in and things change, great. But it could be that we just want these type of players, but maybe a couple of years younger. Um, I, I'm not too sure. I think we'll always have a bit of an issue with that. Some people love that that sort of strong, solid midfield. If you like, I just think when we've got so much possession, um, and we're camped in their half, it sounds a little bit silly. Given he scored the goal today, but Ryan Jack is not famed for his goal scoring exploits. I know he loves it at Hamden, but he's not famed mm-hmm. for it. So, um, I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that if we're having, um, a central midfielder who we want to get up and support and and have get into the box and score, etc., it's maybe not Jack's. Strong suit. So, as much as he had a great game yesterday, and he has been playing quite good. If we can get other players in who are maybe more naturally inclined to to move forward, I think that playing through the middle, we should start to see a bit more benefit.
2: He's in the team ahead of Lundstrom for me right now, though. Absolutely, say yeah. That in terms of in terms of what he's bringing to the to the side, I think uh, significantly more. And Cami, the the game, you know, chances at both ends to, towards the end, and then a red card. Now you're a qualified referee on this week. um I don't think there was much Dubiety, apart from Celtic TV commentator Michael Stewart, uh, who, you know, let's be honest, would you know pull off a tramp if it would get him attention. So you kind of know to to take what he says with a pinch of salt. But I must admit, at the time, I thought it was a red card. I thought he went through him. I thought he went up high. And when I f-
0: had a look at it back on a replay, I thought it was a red card. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I think one thing that we could always say that will always be fair on heart and hand. And if we get a decision, we think we've got a lucky one, then okay, for but we'll call that out, right? We won't just assume that, you know, we've got the rub of the green and that's just the way it goes or that, you know, everyone's always against this. But it was, it was a red card. There's no doubt about it. He's, he's, the force of which he goes into it is completely needless. And I thought it at the time, um, you know, seeing it live, but then watching it back a couple of times, what I am assuming that he's thinking is that Sakala is about to take a touch, get away from him and he just has to go in and either win the ball first or do that. Now that's fair enough. But the speed of which he goes into it is is far too excessive. And he just completely wipes him out. I think if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I think we were lucky that Sakala, you know, didn't have to go off because it's a really, really bad challenge, David. Mm. Like really bad. It's thigh. Yeah, if we're height. talking
2: danger, if we're talking potential danger,
0: that is one Precisely. that can seriously hurt somebody. And um you know again apart from certain people with their own particular agendas i think the unilateral agreement is that you know it was a red card incredibly stupid thing to do and again i just i, I can't because i'm trying to look at the position of where it's happening in the pitch and where not he thinks like if that's going through on goal for example okay that's feel. but for me even if sakala does get the knock on ahead of him and he opens up that space there's still quite a bit of room in the park that you know aberdeen could try and regroup it just felt like a latch a last ditch tackle that you had to make. And fundamentally, I think it's crossed his team if I'm being perfectly honest. Ah, it was
2: moronic. I mean, it really Because as you say, Scarl's not really going anywhere. He's, he's back to goal, you know, he, he's facing away. Just jockey him. But he, you could see it, I mean, as he as he starts running over, I thought he's gonna do him. And you kinda leap in the tackle, you'll get sent off, and not deservedly so. And then we went to to extra time and uh, ranger substitutes made the difference brilliant play by scott Wright, hand in hero the last time adam i mean really terrific change of pace bust away from his man and then the knock on scott Wright. the deserved knock on scott Wright is final ball but he picks out the perfect one and then ruth most natural finisher um maybe cholak these days but you he- he, he doesn't leather it. He doesn't panic. He also does that thing I love from strikers, which is he just stops in the box. and I was that just say that, yeah. a half a oh, I love that, right? When everyone's buzzing about, a really good striker knows, I don't need to be running in here because I, they're all going there. I'll just stand here and it'll buy me a, a half a hour. And then just lovely little dink. And I suppose we have to temper that with, then he gets injured again just bad luck right he falls and and hurts his shoulder we're told it's not a dislocation but we'll find out the extent of it after a scan that was taking place today um you know that i i I just felt for him i don't understand this thing a lot of rangers. i get that people are frustrated that somebody being injury uh prone but i think when you see what happened how you could get like you know, people on his Instagram going, God, you're always getting injured. I mean, yeah. He has just scored the goal that got us the cup final. And and I suppose it's frustration because he's such a good player when fit. Um but it's hardly his fault that he fell on that complete dog's dinner of a pitch and unfortunately has, has landed that awkwardly. It happens.
1: It does. I guess there's obviously just that frustration that he has all these calf injuries, etc. And and people might just see him as Brittle. I've seen a few people saying, oh, "Does he just go off at the slightest twinge, etc." As well, it's just really difficult to, to to get back from all those injuries that he's had. But yeah, for me, just when he when he comes on, I know Morelos did did well for the the goal, like we said that that sort of given goal. But I think Roof's intelligence is is just on a on another level from from Sakala and Morelos, To be honest, just in terms of of the the movement um when the ball breaks in the box. We've said this so many times, there's maybe a chance for Morelos, two chances for Morelos, the, the header and maybe the one where he's he's sort of not quite clean through, but um he, he sort of checks back and blasts it and then there's a couple that Sakala had. Be pretty confident Ruth tucks away one, maybe two of those. Um just in terms of how he how play how he plays, how clinically he is it is a huge shame that he's had these injuries, etc. That little pause that you mentioned there just to everybody else who's just going to run into the box expecting this cutback, let's hope he pulls it a little bit further back to me um, one touching in. Um, the good thing about him is he doesn't need, we speak about Sakala, we speak about Morelos needing four or five games to get up to speed. He just seems to come in and, and look as fit or as not fit as as he always has. He doesn't need much time to to get up and running, which is good. Um, fingers crossed it is not a long-term one and we can get at least some use out of him, but... I do understand people that that get frustrated that he's cost whatever it is four million, three four million pounds, and I'd assume a pretty decent amount of money. And we haven't been able to get as much out of him. It's maybe more of a frustration rather than a um, you're a terrible player. This is a waste of money type thing. So I can see both sides. But yeah, for me, I think anything that we get out of him in the next whatever it is, if he's only here for for four months until the end of the season, or if he if he Keeps the other year and we, we keep him for another year. Anything we can get out of him, I think, is a bonus, provided that everyone else can can get up to speed as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, after that, I, you know, we almost got a third through Sakala. We did rely on an excellent save from Alan McGregor right at the death, which would have been bloody frustrating to, to go to penalties. But we're through and uh, we've got the final to look forward to next month. Let's then turn, kami to... Uh, some of the other stuff first of all you know uh, the time of recording could have changed by the time you listen to this folks, but by the time of recording no new signings in yet um, frustration growing and I think understandably so because we've sat here and we're all very pleased that we won um, and I can already hear some of our, our more optimistic listeners saying oh I can't believe how negative you were but you know these are issues that we're discussing most weeks uh, we're certainly pleased with the results pleased with the upturn since Michael Beale came in but these are long term issues you get one month in the season to rectify some of them, and we haven't done it yet.
0: Yeah, and it just, I think it feels a lot to people that it's like as if there's a build up before the window opens in January that we've got X amount of targets and we should be going out and getting them. And you know, they're in within the first couple of days of the window. And whilst that's you know lovely in theory and in, in, in actuality, it's very different. Because, you know, depending on your injury list, dependent on, you know, individual player performances, we've already mentioned that obviously we've got some guys who are coming out of contract at the end of the season and, and what happens within those negotiations, your targets and your, your requirement could change. It could change, you know, week to week. I think the thing for me, David, is it's not just about being able to try and get the player recruitment sorted early Purely just because we know, and, and you know, as we just discussed with Kamar Roof, you've got a player who comes back from injury, plays a really small period of a game and then gets injured again. And we don't know how long that will take. Now, that does cause frustrations within us as a fan base, but presumably also the group, because Kamar Roof proved he's worth yesterday by scoring you know, the, the goal that's taken us into the League Cup final. But that injection of new blood and new personnel coming into the group, I think, provides its own lift. And maybe that's what we're talking about here, that maybe we're seeing some of the existing playing group, there's a little bit, I don't know if it's stagnant, I don't know if there's you know issues in there that need to be addressed, but new players being able to come in and play and play consistently, which we've not had too much of from our summer intake, shy of a couple of players. The, The majority of the group has been out for one reason or another. So I think it's really important for us to be able to try and get that done now and get it done early. I think it will get buy-in from the fans. I know what you're saying. It feels a little bit negative. I just think we're being realistic. I don't think we're shying away from stuff that we need to be able to talk about. But we would get a lift from that as well in terms of being able to try and bring someone in, addressing the key parts of the team that need resolved. You know, Adam mentioned it earlier on in terms of when not we've got players who are at the tail end of their, of their opportunity at Rangers and are we going to replace them? The midfield needs work. We know that. And I think that, like you say, we're going to have to try and get someone in. I would like, ideally, within the next few days at least, because I think it just gives us a nice following bump having made the League Cup final. and We can continue to look to see how we can bring some of those guys in to to certainly continue on with our league campaign. You know, the picture could look very different in a couple of months as much as I don't think it will do, because Celtic seem to just be on a a fairly decent run themselves. But we need the bodies to be able to come in. Kamal Roof's a perfect example of you can bring someone back but they say they get a knockback, mm. you know, that you're going to be missing them again for a good period.
2: Yeah, and and Adam, I think partly my frustration, and certainly from, from speaking to, to some of our listeners that that they feel this is that we do accept you're unlikely to have six players January the first, right? And that yes, sometimes it takes a bit of time. We get all that, identify the right players. But it's always that's where with rangers. It's similar like when there's a you know a price point, Rangers always come out in the high end of it. Now, and and it's that frustration it's like you know oh, it can be difficult it's always we're always one of the clubs that seem to find it the most difficult you know and i think after a while that begins to to get a little bit really every single player that you want is a complicated deal yeah really how how does that work and then that's when fans begin to say no hang on a minute here. it can't always be as difficult cuz it just seems that we tend to find it the most difficult. If there is a difficulty rating, we'll be at the higher end of it. And after a while, I would begin to say, "Well, is that the processes?" Because you know, Rangers will say lot. Oh, it doesn't matter what happens at other clubs, and to a degree, it doesn't. But they are an example for supporters, and other clubs seem to be signing footballers.
1: It's really. I think it's really complicated. I think I think we we do get the wrong end of the stick sometimes. I think Michael Beale saying. The other, the other day, whatever it was, um, I over to over to other people. I think that's fair enough. That that doesn't mean, I guess, that we're ninety nine point nine percent of the way there, and these players will be in as soon as they they take this contract. I, I, I take that to mean recruitment team has met up with the manager. We've confirmed what the manager's requirements were. We've got this player back. The manager is happy to go with that player, and then we're moving on to, to negotiating. And like you've said, we do tend to drag these things out. Um, I have said, I think it was maybe on extra update last week, David, that anyone expecting Norwich to roll over and give us Todd Cantwell for 200 grand when he is probably a 10 or 12 million pounds player last last summer, I think is is off their head. So maybe that is taking a bit of time because we're saying, right, we'll give you one and a half million and they're saying, you no, know, you'll give us three or four. And we're kind of going through that. At the same time, I think we could probably get out in front of it and agree a, a pre-contract with Todd Cantwell, if it is him, same as we did with, with Souter and Jordan Jones way back and um whoever else, can we come out and do that and then force the ball into Norwich's court? But then at the same time, if he's a pre-contract, do him and his agent want more money, more signing on fees than they would if we're actually paying the money to, to Norwich right now? So I think there's a lot of complications behind the scenes that we don't see, but I absolutely take the point that it always seems to be complicated for us. Um, on the flip side of that, no one is really sure who these targets are. I think Todd Cantwell seems to be the only one that looks to be crystallised. No, just ask
2: Michael Bailey, he'll tell you.
1: I know, but it, it, even the Tom Davies one, there was that one comment and then the noise has disappeared. There's never been any noise from any journalists roundabout everton or anything like that i don't think that i
2: think we have got a fair bit going, on at the moment. <laughs> have
1: a bit going on maybe you'd expect tom davies to be sending the sos signal out given the scenes that we've seen on on saturday night but it's a bit weird isn't it because we take so long to do things but then no one but it's all such a big secret as well that no one really knows what is happening behind the scenes and as we've seen we tend to fill that vacuum with negative thoughts I guess rather than than positive thoughts maybe we're spending our time getting the right player in etc doesn't really factor into our minds given the last couple of years and people's perception of recruitment so yeah it is a little bit strange but I also think it's maybe a bit more complicated than than we think rather than Michael Buell saying right okay that's us we're ready to go and we just pull out this big bag of money and give Norwich or Everton or whoever it is exactly how much money they want um but I'm definitely as frustrated as as everyone that we haven't um we haven't got players in right now um similarly i think this is a busy week as well therefore any players that are coming in that michael Buell said himself the other day there isn't going to be much training this week because it's just sort of game focused etc so it's great to get players in the door etc but in, in real terms, I'm not sure any player coming in, even today, is having an impact on, on Wednesday's game or, or even Saturday's game. So maybe they want to look at it as a bit more of a long term thing thing as much as it's frustrating for us.
2: Yeah, that, and I'll hold my hands up to this. You know, I, I grew up in the 80s just by Sunday. We did it all the time, you know, it was like quarter past six, let's sign somebody. And that's what we did. And I miss it. It was fun. So I'll admit that that maybe it's my own natural inclinations, but that was the way I was raised, Adam. There's not much I can do about it. It's uh, I'm set for life now. Anyway, moving on, uh, which we will do to Kilmarnock on Wednesday night, Cammie, uh, Dell Ball on a plastic pitch. Now, normally I would moan about that pitch, but I have a feeling it's going to
0: seem like a fucking vintage Wembley compared to what we just played on. Yeah, it'll feel like a carpet rather than a ploughed field. But... Um yeah i think it's it's you know i think command you know from from everything that i was able to see from the highlights of of their semi final against celtic i think appeared to be able to try and put out a a decent performance but yeah it, it's this is one of the small benefits of being able to try and have artificial surfaces in weather conditions like we would get in scotland in january that hopefully it's not too bad right now i think probably like you boys my main fear is potentially picking up any injuries off of it. Yeah, I think we can play on it. I, I don't think. I think we've kind of we've moved away from this idea that it's a reducer, that it's a benefit for the home team who play on it all the time. I think we've we'll just get used to it now, and there's certainly worse surfaces that we've played on. You know, other this than week. What's, what's happened at the rugby part, yeah. But mm. at the same point, I just want to make sure that we don't have any impact injuries. I, I was personally worried about Hamden about a player going over on their ankle. And potentially hurting a joint injury, turns out that, that happened but higher up the body. We come out Roof just purely because of circumstance. But that's what I was worried about with an uneven surface. With Rugby Park, it's more just because of a player landing awkwardly. Not dissimilar to how obviously Roof ended up getting his injury. But again, it takes its toll on the ankles, on the knees, etc. But as you rightly say, compared to what we had to play on in Hamden, it will be night and day. I'm not
2: expecting a classic, Adam. If I'm being totally honest, um, we know the way Kumarnik's set up. We know the way McKenna's side sets up. It will be frantic. Um, it, it, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Rangers go and put a sensational display. I expect us to win, but I, I don't necessarily think it will be a a fabulous performance to do so.
1: No, I don't think so. Maybe something <laughs> similar to to Tandies. Um Just in terms of, I thought yeah. they were, I thought they were really well well organized uh, defensively. Um, quite a little bit the Celtic game and uh, is it Daniel Armstrong. I can't remember his, his first name, yeah. but um, he looked pretty decent for for Kamarnik on that side. I think we were linked with him weirdly last week, as well. So he looked quite interested on that side. We'll see that. See how that goes. Um, yeah, not expecting, uh, not expecting a classic. It would be nice if, as a Rangers team, it would be nice if we went out and got a couple of early goals in an away match and just uh, just made it um, smooth and we were able to get comfortable and get a few players rested rather than having to come on and get into the, the, the speed of a game that would be fantastic um, fingers crossed that it happens but no in terms of players etc as well I don't know I think there's maybe a couple of players there that don't look like they can go three games in a week Jack Lundstrom, maybe Sakala, the amount of running that Sakala got through yesterday yeah, I was...
2: Thought, I thought, we haven't really managed, I thought him and Kent were really good yesterday, that they just kept going and kept, and they were a constant menace.
1: Absolutely, so they, Kent just seems to be superhuman and can do that every three days for the rest of his life, but Sakala, I think maybe um, it might be one that either he starts on the bench or he, he comes on, um, I, I'm not sure. Um I guess with Ruth now being probably definitely out again and Cholak being um a while away, it looks like it'll probably be Morelos um up top as well. So that'll be interesting to see. I think we might see Scott Arfield from the start, as much as everybody will be sighing and groaning because he really should be super subbing it. But I think we'll probably see him coming in just to give some of the players a rest. But other than that, not expecting massive amounts of changes. But yeah, hopefully we can we can go on and get um a few goals early doors and, and start to look ahead to to the weekend.
2: And of course, Adam will be back later in the week with Heart and Hand Extra, in which he will look back at the Comarlan match and ahead to the match at the weekend against St Johnston in the Scottish Cup. For full build up to those matches, full coverage of those matches, go to our Patreon site. It's patreon.com at heart and hand. That's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where for just 50p per week, you'll get up to five shows every single day. Honestly, you'll love it, and it is the best investment, cheapest entertainment that's out there. Uh, the most fun you can have with your clothes on, etc. Right, I'd just like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my two guests, first of all, Cammie Bell. Thank you, David, a pleasure as always. And Adam Thornton. Thank you. I'll be back here next week after the St. Johnston game. As I say, tune in for Hand Extra on, uh, is it Thursday or Friday this week, Adam? Uh, good question. Thursday it'll be, Um, actually, because we've, we've got the game on Saturday, yeah. Right, so Thursday this week for Heart and Hand Extra, and as I say, back here next week for this. Until then, everyone, have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.